Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. This is Caleb, and I am your host, as usual. And this week, we have our usual crew as well. We've got Rhiannon and Adam with us. And we're excited to jump into another week of your Marvel news and reviews and speculation and all that fun stuff. All right, well, we'll go ahead and jump into the news. We've got lots of good stuff going this week. Um, It does seem like everything's kind of ramping up a little bit, and so that's very exciting. And so let's get into it. Um, Rhiannon, for your sake, we'll go first with Netflix. Um, I believe, did we get a, uh, do we possibly get a release date for the Defenders this week? You know, I think we might have. Um, yes, we definitely got a release date for the Defenders. It is August 18th, 3 a.m. Eastern Time, Midnight Pacific. Um, and that is not when I was planning to be on a cruise ship. So you're very so excited. Yay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like the only like diehard fan that's excited that it's coming in late August. Now, are you, you know? going to be like hosting a party? Like, do you want other people around for this? Or do you like to like sit at your house and like personally digest it first? So, I mean, my work situation is a little bit weird wherein I don't even know where in the country I'm going to be living uh. August 18th. Um, but if circumstances allow a couple of my friends, my, the, uh, my, sh- my friend Shelby that I run the super ladies podcast with and another friend of ours that I know is a listener of this show, we've been planning, we've kind of jokingly been planning the defender slumber party. Cause when you look at it, it's only eight episodes. So we're going to be able to get up at 3am and be done by 11am. Oh yeah. And just like go out to brunch. I mean, like, or go to work. I mean, or, you know, like it's going to be a quick morning. Um, so anyways, we've been jokingly planning our defender slumber party, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen or what I would like to watch it. I have, I've watched, uh, daredevil season two. I watched it with my friend Shelby that I do the super ladies podcast with. And we like got a hotel room and we woke up at 3 AM and we watched the whole thing. And that was loads of fun. Um, you know, when I watched iron fist and I was all alone and I couldn't be like, Oh my God, look at that with somebody there. It was different. So yeah, I hope the defenders party happens. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, along those same lines, we found out a couple of other pretty big things. Uh, we know that Jessica Jones season two is shooting, I think as we speak, or at least started this week, daredevil season three is supposed to start shooting later this year. And uh, also today we got some casting news that Janet McTeer has joined Jessica Jones. Um, so Rhiannon on the casting and all the other information. Are you excited? Is this about the timelines we were expecting for these Netflix shows? I'm super excited. So, um, I mean, I, I, I expected there to be a little bit of a gap between Defenders and them starting Jessica Jones, but obviously they were ready and they are just going at it. I had heard some hints that Jessica Jones was definitely next, but, um, you know, you never really know until that's confirmed. So I, I think it's due. But poor Jessica Jones fans have been waiting forever for the second season. So I'm glad it's moving. I was totally prepared to have to wait longer for Daredevil season three. So I'm really excited to know that it is coming at the end of this year. And it's nice to have that confirmation that it will at least start filming at the end of this year. We're not going to see it at the end of this year. And it also, um, you know, maybe I, I heard evidently Stephanie, Stephanie Maslansky, and I probably threw an extra vowel in her last or name. Or syllable or something, right? <laughs> yeah, she's the costume designer for you know, these Netflix shows. And she evidently on a podcast, and I haven't listened to it, said something about starting on Luke Cage soon. So there's nothing like... I haven't heard it, but um, if that's true, that would be filming like all three of them 
write it once in a row, or it would mean that they're filming two shows at once. It would definitely mean that there is some accelerated schedule happening. And so maybe with Punisher and Defenders filming at the same time, they've amped up and learned that they can produce two quality shows at a time. But that's just me wishful thinking and that they'll be moving very quickly through these. But if we're starting to see more of our Netflix schedule. So Punisher, we still don't have a date for Punisher. Right. Um, one of our listeners threw me the idea of Thanksgiving with it coming out right at Thanksgiving. Yeah, that would be pretty close to Jessica Jones timing, so I think that makes sense to me. Yeah. They just keep on cranking them out, man. Keep them coming. Just film show after show after show so we don't have to wait too long between we uh, our binge-watching sessions, you know? Yeah, I was pretty happy to see Jessica Jones coming next. Um, I really could have seen them pushing Daredevil first so that it could have got its uh, sort of traditional March-April time frame that it's had the last two times. And I just think Jessica Jones was so good the first season. It deserves to come out, and the fans of that show have been forced to wait for so long. Like, if... If they had done anything else, if they had opened the post-Defenders, uh, well, not post-Defenders, but you know, after Punisher, if they'd done anything other than Jessica Jones, I think there would have rightly been some pretty angry fans saying, like, what's the deal? Why does our show keep getting pushed down the road? So I'm really glad that that's the next season to come. Um, any thoughts, real quick, guys, on Janet McTeer uh, joining Jessica Jones? I don't think we know anything about her role. Uh, I don't know the actress particularly well. Either of you have any thoughts on that? It's really hard to figure out what they're going to do for Jessica Jones. We don't know anything about what the villain's going to be, what the storyline is going to be, what direction they're going. And and even with like the gender bending that they did the first season, or that they've, you know, the switching around that they've done with traditional characters, who knows who some of these people, as we learn who's in the cast, if they don't tell us who they are, who knows what they could be. Yeah. It seems that she's a very well-liked actress among, you know, critical circles. But looking through her, you know, um, looking through, like, her IMDb list, I have not seen anything here that's particularly known to me. You know, I'm not a big film buff as far as watching, you know, a lot of the kind of Oscar bait kind of movies. But yeah, there's just, um, she's a bit of an unknown to me. So it does seem, though, that she is very well respected. So they've gotten somebody of pretty good caliber, apparently. So uh, we'll just have to figure out what that is when it comes. But the other really big news that we found out this week is that we're getting another show and another freeform show in the shape of New Warriors starring Squirrel Girl. And it's come out that this is going to be a 10-episode show. We're hearing a half hour uh, per episode. That's a similar order to what they're giving Cloak and Dagger. Both are supposed to be out in 2018. Uh, Adam, I'll jump to you first. Uh, are you ecstatic about A New Warriors? Are you nervous about whether or not Darkhawk is going to make the cut? What, what are your thoughts on this? He's got to make the cut, man. It's too good not to. No, I'm 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 pretty hyped. You know, they announced New Warriors, and we got Cloak and Dagger, and um, I guess like we've talked about, uh, you know, it's kind of has what do you call it? It's similarities to the CW's Arrowverse. You know, there's the CW and Freeform are are kind of in the same demographic, I guess you could say. Uh, um, so I'm interested. I'm not a big fan of Squirrel Girl. Everyone loves her. I don't. I know, but uh, yeah, I, I think it'll do well. Obviously, we probably aren't getting Anna Kendrick on a Freeform series. Um, but yeah, let's let's put Darkhawk in there, man. It's perfect. He's uh, he's kind of has that teenage angst, and that would be uh, perfect for uh, Freeform. Yeah, Rhiannon, do you have any interest in these shows, or is this still kind of a, a shot in the dark for you? For me, I mean, like, yeah, Squirrel Girl, I'm just, I'm just kind of happy that it's happening so less people 
so people stop speculating on it. I feel like for the past year, everybody's talked about, well, what if they did Squirrel Girl? Or what if this person was Squirrel Girl? Finally, somebody will be Squirrel Girl. And that'll be out of the way. And we'll be on our way to it. I also, I mean, I do, I'm interested in seeing what Freeform is coming up with. You know, these are short series. They're short episodes. But it's a totally different market. It's a totally different production. I mean, ABC is still behind it. So I'm curious to see what kind of Marvel universe they're setting up. So yeah, we'll see. I'm really, I'm interested. I, I don't know if I want to say that I'm concerned. I'm just, I don't, I can't yet see how this will work as far as just being such a limited order and being such short episodes. Um, it's just not like anything that they've done so far. And I mean, even the CW shows, I don't, I don't watch the DC shows, but Adam, those are all hour long shows, right? Yeah, those are all hour long. So, you know, particularly if this means 30 minutes plus, you know, commercials, 22 minutes for 10 episodes. Uh, I just, I, part of what I like about comic books is that it's serial storytelling and that it's. Uh, an arc that develops over months and that uh, really good comic book arcs take their time to develop and to build character and to have suspense and foreshadowing and all those kinds of things. And I just don't know if you've got the space to do that. Uh, At the same time, I know we're talking out of both, both sides of our mouths because every time one of these Netflix shows come out, it seems like everyone's saying 13 hours is way too long. Iron Fist would be so much better if it was only eight episodes instead of ten. People are excited about uh, the Defenders only being an eight-episode order. And so I realize that I, you know, I'm not being happy, easy to please on either side. It just seems it's a long way from 13 one-hour episodes to 10 30-minute episodes. You know, like that's a, that's a significant trim, particularly if we're talking about going from a show without commercials to a show with commercials, you know? Definitely. All right. Um, we've got some more news uh, coming out of Spider-Man World. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming had a bunch of set visits, and we're starting to learn a little bit more. There's all kinds of stuff that we could talk about. Um, I think for now, the one thing that I do want to talk about that I think is interesting is um, we've seen this development where they're saying that a lot of the tech that the Vulture and his villains are going to use is going to be sort of repurposed uh, tech, whether it be Shatari tech, or uh, apparently this week it came out maybe some of Crossbones technology being uh, reused from the fight in Lagos for the Shocker. Um, do you guys uh, enjoy that plot element? I mean, is that kind of interesting to you that these scavengers would kind of reuse stuff? Um, just curious what you guys thought of, of that idea, because I think it's kind of novel for these movies. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's more interconnectedness. It's all connected. Remember that, guys. <laughs> it's no, I think it's kind of neat because uh, think about it all this destruction happens and all these things happen, and it's kind of bound to uh, happen that something pops up on the black market somewhere, you know. So I think it's certainly an interesting way to how do you how do you say it to make the origins of other characters i guess create the other characters with these uh leftover goods i can dig it yeah and i think they've been toying with the idea i mean this goes all the way back to that one shot with the avengers right i forget them it was like item 47 or item 53 or i don't remember the number where there's like that couple that found the shatari gun and Sitwell, like, chased him to a hotel. So this is an idea that's been kind of bouncing around for a bit. And it makes sense that people would do stuff with this tech if they could find it. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's all really interesting. I also think they are trying to jam as many ways as possible to scream, hey, look, this is in the MCU. Like, I think it's a natural story to development, but... There's also an element to this where every time you see Shocker now, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's connected to Crossbones because this is part of the MCU. At every point in the advertising and the promotional materials and everything, they've gone out of their way to say, this is a Spider-Man movie that is part of this universe. 
because they don't want people to forget that this is interconnected. You know, like if we're going to do this deal, we're going to do it full on. And I just have noticed that that's been so forward in all of the advertising that they've done. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about the other thing we have on our news for today is we do have a plot synopsis for Inhumans. Um, it's not very long. I'll go ahead and read it to you. After the royal family of Inhumans is splintered by a military coup, they barely escape to Hawaii, where their surprising interactions with the lush world and humanity around them may prove to not only save them, but Earth itself. Um, what do you guys think? I'll, I'll go last here. What do you guys think about this synopsis <laughs> uh, for Inhumans? as kind of the, the the thrust of the show. I think as I read the synopsis, I could hear your head explode. <laughs> just a little. Um I I I don't love that they're using Hawaii as Hawaii. I don't see any reason not to have new Adelan or Adelan. I've always said Adelan, but yeah. Adelan. Um you know, I thought that was pretty, you know, reading the comics new right now, like, I thought that was a pretty cool detail that the lost city of Atlantis, you know, ended up being Adelan and, you know. I like, think they're supposed I, to be thought... different because Namor lives in Atlantis. Oh, okay. But but they were associated in some way. Like, Ad okay, never mind. But anyways. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. Maybe maybe it doesn't matter that they're in Hawaii or not. Um, yeah, but but it sound, but otherwise it sounds like a cool story to me. I I am continuing to have an open mind and deciding that I'm going to like it. I'm going to like it, and I'm going to tell myself that until it, September first. Yeah, I I uh, I mean, we live in. I keep hammering away this point. You know, we live in a day and age where. We have Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Bolt and in a cinematic universe, you know. So it's just kind of mind-boggling that we're, we're getting all these D and E and F-less characters and we're actually seeing them in action. Squirrel Girl, you know. So I'm excited on that part. Um, it's It's an interesting take, I would guess. You know, the, the pictures we've seen of um, Black Bolt, Medusa. Um, we haven't really seen them in their full-on getups yet. Um, we saw Hoodie Karnak though, so that's pretty cool. I'm excited to see uh, the whole uh, Karnak deal happen. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Of course, I'm gonna watch it. Um, I guess I'll reserve complete judgment until after I see it, but. I mean, I don't see any huge warning signs or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm going to try to keep this relatively brief. Um, I really, the overall effect on me is not that positive or negative. Um, so the things that I don't like, um, it sometimes feels like they got like good tax credits for Hawaii. And so they're like, turning it into like a Hawaii like vacation video or something like that's that's probably too extreme of a way to say it but like this idea of they visit the lush land of Hawaii I just imagine like the Hawaiian state government saying yes those tax credits were worth it you know so it just doesn't <laughs> feel like there's never been a story of the inhumans hanging out in Honolulu and so it doesn't feel story driven and it feel well it feels like it might not be story-driven. When I first heard of Hawaii, I thought, oh, early day of the Inhumans, you know, the story begins with them living on this island in the Mediterranean Ocean, and they're kind of separate from the rest of the world. And so that kind of secluded environment for the early days of Adelan seemed like what they were doing. And that's a very story-based reason to be in a location like Hawaii. This doesn't feel like that. Now, all of that being said, I don't think the story sounds terrible. Uh, the military coup thing very much goes along with what's happening. Uh, the idea that 
Maximus would maybe come up and become a problem. Um, makes a lot of sense. That should happen. Uh, I also didn't mention, but we've seen this week that Sorinda Swan, who plays Medusa, has had her head shaved. And we don't think that's just for special effects. We think that that actually may be some sort of plot point in the show. And so, you know, the idea of Maximus takes over. He managed to banish the royal family. He shaves Medusa's head. They're kind of on the run. That stuff I don't hate. And I think that the things that I like about Inhumans, the um, sort of larger narrative and sort of metaphor about power and hatred and how you deal with people who don't like you and all that kind of stuff, I think that can still happen with them on the run in Honolulu. So that's that's all fine. Um, it just it seems a little weird. It seems um, just like it was arbitrary. Uh, but maybe it'll make more sense when the time comes. I don't think this is... Some people thought that this is like proof that this is going to be terrible. A lot of people are already throwing Scott Buck under the bus. That he's like, you know, the Brian Singer. Um, make it earthy. Make it realistic. Destroy all the fun parts of it. Kind of MCU showrunner. And I'm not sure that that all is going to happen. I don't know if that's the way it's going to work. Um, I'm still willing to look you know, to give it a chance. I'm not, I'm not sure just from this synopsis what's going on. So I think there's things they could really do. Oh, and as I mentioned on some of the comments on the website, this is a common motif in early, like fantastic four kind of stuff where Medusa or crystal or somebody is kind of living among the humans and kind of on the run and trying to fit in. And so, you know, that's, that's not a total departure from the comic books. Um, I'm just interested to see how it goes all together. Some of this is, I think I really, if I'm being honest, want a Jenkins and Lee, like shot for shot remake of that 99 or 98 series. And that was never going to be that. And I don't think it should be that. But, um, I, every time I hear something that's not that, I just have to readjust my brain. So anyways, that's my spiel about Inhumans. Did you guys have anything else now that I've droned on? I did notice one of the comics that was, is it released this week or I think there's a variant of the new Royals comic, the hip hop variant that actually has Medusa with a shaved head as well. Um, so I wonder if that's going to be tying in on the new Royals comic, um, sometime soon, but they're, uh, really pushing the, uh, inhumans across the whole comics verse. So, uh, it should be a, uh, Big time for Marvel come. When does it come out? September? Yeah, it's early September. September 1st. Yep. Yeah. So uh, exciting times. I've actually been thinking that if it's anything like the th- a theatrical release, we should be like staring down a trailer not too far from now. You know, they usually do trailers give or take six months before uh, a movie comes out. And so... Um, I mean, we should be looking any day for one, but this, this whole thing is on kind well, of a different schedule. So it's ABC. So they'll have the, the upfronts, you know, your network television shows do the upfronts and I think may, um, and that's where they go and they, they go to New York and they try to sell their new shows to the ad buying. Yeah. I mean, it's basically selling the shows to the folks that are buying advertising time. So normally you would expect to see some sort of what we think of as a trailer at, at that event. Right. And with as big of a thing as they're making this, I'm sure any humans will be front and center for that. So that's when I would expect our first view of Inhumans. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's a really good point. Um, it, that says to me immediately that in this ABC IMAX marriage, ABC is kind of the one driving the truck, you know, like, um, that this is more important that this fits into an ABC television timeline than it would make into like a theatrical timeline, which is fine. I'm not, you know, saying that's a bad thing. It just, that's what that communicates to me if they're going to wait till the upfronts to share some of this stuff. So. And it, I'm looking at the Upfronts calendar 
Freeform will be April 19th. So maybe we'll get something there. And then ABC is at the end of May sometime. Yeah, May 16th. Okay. Um, do you see, just for curiosity, see Hulu? When's Hulu going to be? I don't know if Hulu does the upfronts. Let me oh, see. Okay. Yeah, that's I'm true. Just they looking. don't have it's the same advertising. Really, needs, so. It's a really long list. I don't see them on there. I think they do their advertising differently. I think Runaways is the show that I keep losing track of. Like, in the yeah. end, that might be one of my favorite Marvel shows if they do it right. I just keep forgetting that it's even happening because they're so quiet about it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, I see Hulu. May 3rd. Okay. It is a breakfast upfront event. There so. you go. All right. So um, we're going to go into our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. review now. We have the first new episode of the new Agents of Hydra pod. And. Uh, the episode was entitled "What If," and it was really just setting up for us the um, all the parameters of the framework and what the framework was going to look like and work like. Um, as usual, when we do these reviews, you know, we don't go through all the plot details. We don't go kind of scene by scene. We just give our general impressions of where the show's going and how it feels. So, um, Rhiannon, I'll let you go first. Did you enjoy the episode? Did you like where this is going as a storyline? All that kind of stuff. I did. I enjoyed it. I it, it moved. I mean, the end of the episode was in a different place than the beginning. It had some twists that I didn't see coming. You know, uh, you know, you expect Ward to be very walk in the line for Hydra, but he turned out to be it, it evidently like Ward is just destined to be a traitor no matter whose side is the quote unquote good guys. Right. Um I thought that was really kind of cool, though, because, like, it'd be easy to be like, oh, he's always the bad Hydra guy. But they found a way to, like, keep him consistent in a way that I wasn't expecting, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's so it caught me off guard, and I, I liked it. I, I liked the twist. Um, the only thing, I mean, my biggest complaint right now with Hydra, or I, I guess, like, it's always sort of been a complaint of mine with Hydra is, you have this organization that does, I mean, they're simple, is practically off of a pirate ship. <laughs> you know, they have the big skull with octopus and all that. You know, why do people like Hydra? You know, how do you convince so many people that a whole type of human is bad? You know, of course, you had the kid fighting back against the concept of the Nazis and the, you know, you know, you had that one kid that was willing to equate them with Nazis, but I haven't been sold on why people would commit to Hydra as deeply as people commit to Hydra. Right. So I, 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 I was hoping, and I'm still hoping that maybe I want to learn how to be team Hydra. Like I want to know how Hydra is so convincing. Why are people so loyal to Hydra? And I just don't feel like I've ever seen that. And I would hope that as this goes a little bit further, maybe we can see a little bit of that mindset. Yeah, like, maybe we don't agree. I mean, like, I'm not saying I want to be Hydra, but I at least want to understand how they get all these people to be so loyal. Of course Grant Ward's a double agent. Goodness gracious. I thoroughly liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Fitz was a complete badass. I kind of liked him being in the... Um, what was he? Second in command, I would say, probably. Yeah. Um, That was really cool. I already have the an ending theory in mind um which i'm 89 90% sure that's going to happen but um yeah i really really liked it i like how the the framework's going 
I'm kind of uh, it's going to be interesting to see which other people from the past we see. Um, you know, everyone's hinting that we're going to see more more formal former people, um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they get out of the framework. You know, Quake, uh, Daisy turned. Uh, we want to say turned Daisy. Daisy made Coulson realize, you know, what was going on, you know, but the more stubborn people like May and Mac, you know, how how on earth are they going to get them to realize what's going on, you know? Yeah, I generally liked a lot of what they did. I kind of liked um, just the whole world that they built up. They did, I think, kind of really create a palpable sense of sort of how claustrophobic it might feel to be in sort of... A situation like that, like in a country that had that kind of um, had kind of that military presence everywhere, uh, just even that scene of Gemma in the car and they're coming up to the to the stop and she doesn't have her identification on her. Like I just felt like all of that was pretty good world building to give us like a sense of what that would feel to kind of live in that fear. And so I thought all that stuff was really good. Uh, I too thought. Um, the whole doctor persona of Fitz. Um, at first I was like, am I going to believe that this goofy guy is like this bad guy? But I feel like, um, um, that, uh, Ian, Oh, DeCassiter, DeCassiter. What's his last name? The guy who plays Fitz. Ian DeCaster. Yeah. Ian, Ian DeCaster. Okay. Yeah. Ian DeCaster. <laughs> Anyways. I thought he did a great job. We don't we we don't know his name, but he did an excellent job. I thought of just playing a different villain, you know, of or a different character of kind of showing that villainous side. I thought that was uh, that was really great too. Um, so generally, I really liked it. I like what it set up, and um, you know, I felt like this is gonna have a lot of payoff. I feel like this this is giving us uh, some emotion that we haven't had out of the show at at all times. Um, partially just because they've done enough job of character building now that we're just we're getting the payoff. You know, it's kind of like Captain America: Civil War isn't necessarily a better movie than First Avenger. I mean, I think it is, but you know, part of that is because Civil War we've known these characters for a long time, and I feel like we're just getting the payoff of knowing the Agents of Shield for a long time, and that's really cool. I liked the Tahiti references. I, that's something that I have very much missed in the show is one of my first, like, I mean, I guess everybody, like, one of the first things about S.H.I.E.L.D. is Tahiti. It's a magical place. Mm-hmm. And to this day, like, no matter where I am, if there's a conversation about Tahiti, I'm like, it's a magical place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I was just kind of glad that Coulson's subconscious brought that in. Yeah, and I, I like that it makes a little bit of sense. You know, like, I am not an expert at computers, but my understanding is, like, when you delete something off your hard drive, you don't, like, totally delete it. You know, like, if you're really trying to hide information, you blow a computer up. You don't just delete the file because people who are really good at data recovery can, like, find little bits of information, you know, on a hard drive. And so this idea that their brains couldn't have been scrubbed of all the past that there were going to be little pieces in there that Ada would have missed that would have come up, like little glitches. I thought that was really kind of a cool idea within this concept of the framework. Adam and I talked about it a little bit in our private conversations, but the one thing I don't like, and this is not really the writer's fault, it's just, it is what it is. I was, I'm a big Lost fan, and for people that watch that show, the sixth season has a significant storyline that is very similar to this, where you have people that you've known for a long time. They're in a world that seems to be as if they had never met. And it's the job of one or two of the characters to kind of awaken all of the individuals in that world to this previous or other life that they've had and sort of like wake them out of the matrix. And the way they do that in that show is by connecting them with their love interest or to give them this moment of deep, like, emotional meaning. 
And a lot of this felt a little color by numbers to that template for me. And that's just because that show's so big in my mind that this was like a, I just, I constantly thought, oh, wow, that's so much like this other thing that I like a lot. And so that was a slight distraction for me just to always be thinking back to Lost. But at the same time, I, I feel like they're doing it pretty well. So that's just something I'm going to have to get over. All right, our main discussion today, we are going to talk about Spider-Man. So uh, the reason we're going to do this, there's been a lot of Spider-Man type news that we haven't actually talked about much on the podcast. And the reason that we have not talked about on the podcast is because it's not, strictly speaking, MCU news. And it's really, um, honestly, I think I'm going to call this segment... um, the ways that Sony is destroying the Spider-Verse because Sony is just making so many weird and bizarre sort of decisions. Uh, We talked a little bit last week about Amy Pascal kind of sticking her foot in her mouth about what's going on with the contract and when Spidey is supposed to leave the MCU and when he's supposed to come back. Um, and then we talked about how she even kind of contradicted herself. I, I was listening on another podcast and they were saying she probably was telling the truth, but she's just not very smart for mentioning it in public. You know, as far as the fact that the contract technically ends after Spider-Man Homecoming Volume 2, whatever that's going to be called. Um, so there's all that stuff. Then there was the trailer, which a lot of people felt like spoiled too much information. And then we found out recently that they're talking about doing a Venom movie. Uh, they gave a short list or gave a particular director for that that I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up now. Then they're talking about doing like a Saber Silver Sable Catwoman team up movie. Um, Adam, I know you're you know you know the comics well. Is any of this sounding like a good idea to you? Like, are you excited about any of these developments? And, and also, a lot of the stuff, the Venom movie, the Cat uh, not Catwoman. Uh, the Black Cat movie, that was a brain fart, Black Cat movie, um, that these are not going to be MCU properties, that these are going to be separate and apart from at least the MCU and probably Spider-Man altogether. Um, anyways, Adam, do you, do you like any of these developments? Are you excited about any of this? Or is this just a big mistake? Marvel seems to be the... How do I say it? The Marvel seems to be the only studio that knows what they're doing or at least marvel doesn't release information prior to you know they they don't put the info out there prior to them you know getting the details down pat you know we see we're seeing this stuff with both sony and warner brothers where it almost seems like they they're announcing projects just to uh get a hype surrounded you know it it is what it is you know venoms is going to sell absolutely crazy you know if they put uh if they slap an r rating on a on a venom movie and go the route uh deadpool or logan you know you know that's it's going to be absolutely crazy everyone's saying you know and the other side to that is you you can't really do venom without spider-man so, I mean, obviously there's not going to be a rated R movie in the MCU and, and so on and so forth. So the plans don't um, really mesh up, you know, unless Spider-Man's planning on, you know, they're going to have Spider-Man out of the MCU whenever, after a sequel or, or whatever, you know. I mean, I really don't have any intentions of seeing a Black Cat Silver Sable movie. I guess that's just not something that particularly interests me. Um, but then again, I'm probably the only Marvel fan that doesn't like Spider-Man. You know, I could really do without the whole Spider-Man universe. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, uh, I'm very impartial to any Spidey properties, you know? Um, but yeah, it just, it just came, I don't know. It's, it's, kind of messy maybe maybe that's an unfair opinion but i just seem it just seems you know between sony doing the venom and and silver sable and then wb announcing nightwing and batgirl and all this stuff it's 
it doesn't seem like there's um much thought behind the the process you know but then again maybe maybe sony and wb both have killer plans for the future and they're keeping that tight wrapped and leaking things here and there to get fans super pumped one can wish that we have every studio make the best superhero movies ever right right if it's i mean let me ask you if you you talked about you know venom and r-rated venom people are going to love seeing that if it's a venom that's very explicitly not related to spider-man is that still something you want to see See, I probably in the the vast majority that would say yeah, just because I don't care for Spider Man. <laughs> you know, okay. I don't know what it is. I've I've never liked Spider Man for some odd reason. I absolutely love the most recent Venom Space Night run where he was a good guy. You know, and Agent Venom was awesome. But uh, yeah, I'm I'd still see it. You know, I just think if they slap a uh r rating on venom and obviously if spider-man was in an r-rated venom movie that might break all sorts of records and stuff like that perhaps but yeah i i venom's venom you know he's one of those characters i think he's going to sell well regardless you know if spider-man isn't in a venom movie uh i think they'll do fine um I do think if they play it safe with like uh with a PG thirteen rating and not have Spider Man in there, it would be kind of odd, you know. But I, I think regardless, Venom is going to do all right. Um, you know, in terms of uh in terms of Silver Sable, you know, I, I really don't want to say the same for that. I just don't know the character well right. enough. You know, Venom's just that perennial powerhouse, you know, he's kinda of one of those villains if you showed anyone a picture they would say they at least know of the character um so i think venom's gonna be fine regardless see i feel like i don't know to me the it's just it blows my mind like when they said that there's 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 not gonna possibly be a spider-man connection i mean the guy has a giant spider on the front of his like costume you know like and there's been different versions of it, but there's always some version of that. And it doesn't have that because that's necessarily related to the concept of Venom. It has it because that's the remnants of Spider-Man because Spidey and his powers are so influential into what this thing is. You know, and like, to me, the symbiote should be kind of a chameleon. And the reason that Venom becomes Venom is because he was with Peter Parker. And he is this expression of sort of Peter Parker's id. And that's what makes him so compelling. So it just, I don't know. It is beyond me. I don't, I don't understand how it's that attractive. Um, I, I just don't see it being that attractive to fans who know the comics, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, Rhiannon, let's bring you in. I know you are somewhat newer to comics, so you don't have as much sort of history with Spider-Man and Venom and all these characters. As somebody from that perspective, somebody who's kind of new to the Spider-Verse, um, do any of these ideas sound exciting to you? Like, do you think, oh, that sounds cool? Yeah, I, I think before seeing Logan and watching Legion, I might have been more like, oh, the interconnectedness is great. But seeing, like, you know, knowing, watching the X-Men movies and knowing professor x and all that and then seeing legion which is connected i mean well which you know theoretically through the comics and all that's connected but watching it and seeing it in a completely different universe and no way interconnected i enjoyed that and so if there is a world that spins off of spider-man and he's not there, you know, if he's not a part of it, if it's not connected, but it's a cool character and it's worth seeing. I mean, I'm trying to remember if I had any feelings regarding Deadpool before I went and saw that. 
which is what in my mind when you say like they have this character and they're going to do an R-rated movie and this yeah like I immediately think Deadpool because I enjoyed Deadpool and there was something cool that they did there so if they're I mean I don't have feel you know I don't have emotional attachment either way I don't know you know, I didn't know about him having the spider on his suit or his connect you know connectedness or not and I don't see why if they just flat out say this isn't MCU you know Spider-Man is not going to show up in this movie they can come up with new ways for him to have you know, and, and these days they're throwing the costumes out the window so much anyways so who knows what he could end up costume wise um i'd have to wait and see you know it just depends on what they come up with but the not being connected doesn't bother me i mean at this point i'm starting to worry about all these shows being quote unquote connected because it's just turning out to be this weird weird world where evidently you know you know, half of New York City gets blown up, but it's just a little incident in people's memories in some shows. Right. This yeah. is really interesting because, um, honestly, you guys are both far more positive about this than I thought you might be. It's certainly than I am, but that's, you know, that's fine. That's what you say, Rhiannon, is really is helpful to me because I would have assumed the opposite way. I would assume that if you're not. You know, if you're not into the comics, if you're not sort of deeply invested in this thing, then, you know, Venom is just a very, you know, strange out there, off the wall property, particularly Silver Sable and Black Cat, even more so. And so the lack of connectedness and Spider Man tie in makes it like less interesting or less approachable. But I feel like what we're starting to hear here is it's actually maybe it's the comic book fans for whom this is a much bigger problem you know like the people who love spidey are the ones who are actually going to be far more upset about this than the casual fan does that seem to be fair to what you guys are saying yeah i know i mean i flat out i know nothing about venom at all so when they said you know sony might be making a rated r venom movie i was like okay that's nice like it might as well have been DC. I don't know. Right. Um, so it, you know, it doesn't bother me. It all really, to me, comes down to the marketing. I mean, the only reason I ever got excited about Deadpool was that their marketing was the best ever. I, I, I was actually sad about the Deadpool premiere date coming because I thought it would end all the fabulous marketing for it. No, yeah. They just started immediately marketing Deadpool too. So I know, I know that made me happy. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, when it comes to some of the DC, you know, I knew nothing about Suicide Squad, and if I had never heard a review of that, I'd have probably been there opening night, like all excited about what it was going to be. I, I can be sold. I can be my ticket can be, you know, you, you can. You can convince me to you convince you can convince me to want you to take my money. Well, I'm the opposite. So Sony, if you're listening, I'm not gonna go see this movie, alright? I don't wanna see Venom if it's not Spider Man. I don't like it. <laughs> and I <laughs> apparently am by myself on this, but I think it stinks. I just um it's just ripping, you know, a, a classic character away from its origins, and it just, it feels all kind of wrong. It feels like a money grab. Uh, it feels like a, you know, this is a studio that basically had to jump into bed with Marvel because they proved themselves incapable of making money without Marvel's help, and they already tried to build a universe like this, and they failed, and now they're taking their rehashed plans and trying to run them again. Uh, one of the things that's been rumored is that they're trying to get um, Adi Shankar to be the director. At first, I thought that was cool. I knew that he had done some work with sort of this Venom short film that some people had made, like a fan film, and that Power Rangers fan film that they did a few years back, like the R-rated Power Rangers. 
And I thought those were kind of cool. But then I was listening to the guys over at Collider, and they said, he's not a director. He's never directed anything in his life. And it turns out that's right. He only produced things. And so the idea that they would give him his first director job um, on this movie seems crazy. I mean, he's also developing something right now called Adi Shankar's Gods and Secrets, whatever that is. But, you know, like the idea that they're going to hand the directorial stuff over to the guy who produced a Venom fan film, like that just seems so amateur hour. And when you combine it with all this other stuff that's going on and the way that they cut trailers and just the way, I mean, Sony is in financial issues. I mean, there's just all this stuff that I just think it's terrible. Like, I just think it's a terrible idea. I don't want to see them ruin these characters because I do want to see the characters done well. And I have absolutely no faith after five Spider-Man movies that they're going to do it well because they kind of, they've taken the most literally the most marketable character in all of comic books and they have driven the property into the ground and now they're doing the same stuff you know like i want them on marvel's leash i want them to disappear as a student you know i love all people all the people at sony we love you but if that studio fell into a black hole and never produced a movie again i'd be a happy guy because i just don't like the stuff that they do and I just don't like them uh, messing with Spidey. But it looks like some of these things will, will happen anyway. Um, let me ask this real quick. Do you guys, have you seen the, I mean, I assume that you guys have seen the Spider-Man films before. Do you like the first Spider-Man trilogy, tril- trilogy the amazing Spider-Man stuff? Do you enjoy those movies? I honestly don't really remember them. I mean, I'm sure I saw them, but I don't have extreme strong feelings i guess obviously not extreme strong positive feelings uh the magic of sony yeah i didn't mind the first two spider-man 3 was very bad um and i wasn't a big fan of the amazing spider-mans um yeah man just give just give venom a chance it it could it could end up and and be something really cool you know i'm not it's going to be interesting, that's for sure, you know, if it actually materializes and, and I don't know, Sony's, there, well, there was a story not too long ago, Sony was losing all kinds of money, right? You know, if they come out with, uh, with Venom and all that stuff, maybe, maybe, uh, Marvel will just get all the rights back, you know, who knows? Yeah. I think, and especially when you talk about them handing it over to somebody doing fan films, I think it, you know, that may not be a bad thing. You know, at least it, you know it's somebody that can respect the character and perhaps, yeah, what do they have to lose at this point? Yeah, it's probably just their shot in the dark, hoping for a Deadpool situation. Yes, I feel like that's a wonderful description of what's happening. Venom is Sony shooting into the dark, hoping that they hit Deadpool. I think that you have hit it on the head, but that's the part yeah. that, you know, as a, as a fan who likes the characters, I, I don't love hearing like something that I like, you know, being treated that way. Does that make sense? And so I'm always conflicted because whether it's X-Men or Spider-Man or any of these properties, other places, Like, I want it to be back at Marvel, and, you know, like in the case of Fox, Fox does some good things, and Logan was incredible, but I still don't want Fox to have the rights to the X-Men, because I want Kevin Feige and Marvel to be able to have the rights, so that that can be integrated into the MCU, and so that we can get a Marvel version of that, because I think a Marvel version of that would probably, at least the X-Men, would be far better than the X-Men we got with Fox. And so I'm just, I always feel a little torn because the only way I know for that to happen is for me to stop buying tickets to these things. And as long as I keep supporting them as they make junk, the longer they'll keep doing it, you know? So I just feel as a fan, you get kind of caught in a uh, catch-22, so. But at least they're handing it over. I mean, like, this is me just trying to find silver linings for you. (laughs) At least they're handing it over to a fan 
that may, you know, maybe he doesn't know how to make a blockbuster film, but he definitely knows the characters and he knows the universe and will treat them with respect. Rather than, say, Aaron Sorkin, who openly admits that he's not a comic fan and hasn't read the comics, but he's looking for his next story to try to, you know, get to know and create. I would feel more comfortable with the fan situation than, say, Aaron Sorkin coming in and doing one of these movies. Which I know Aaron Sorkin's a writer, but still, you know, if he's the writer on a film, it's going to be an Aaron Sorkin film. Right. Um, yeah, and we saw that a little yeah. bit with Shane Black, I feel like, on Iron Man 3. You know, I personally don't like that movie very much, but it's, it's very much a Shane Black movie as much as it is an MCU movie. And that would happen with somebody like Sorkin, so. Yeah. Um, I should say that that is just a rumor um, with uh, Adi Shankar. Um, it may not be. It may not be right. And you know he has executive produced or produced a uh, a lot of different things that have been theatrical releases. Um, so I I wasn't you know not trying to cast shade on him necessarily. It is just um, it sounds like the kind of decision that's you know would make fans really happy until they really thought about it, you know, like, oh, hey, let's, uh, like when Joe Casada was made the director of the Yo-Yo Slingshot episode. That was great. That was a good start for him. But, like, if tomorrow they said they were going to make him the showrunner of a season of Daredevil, I'd be like, wait a second. <laughs> He's never done TV before. What are, we, what are we doing here, you know? So, I'm really feeling like the grumpy old man now that you both uh, were, were somewhat positive on this. I was... <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting you're the so like, grumpy. I mean, goodness, I should have should have brought Jeremiah back for this episode. I'm pretty sure he would have been bored on board with me, but oh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It feels bizarre every time they'd say something. I mean, just remember, this is the people that wanted to make a Sally Fields led Aunt May spy movie. Okay, this was something they wanted to do. So I'm just of the opinion you can't trust someone like that. That's all. All right, um, let's go ahead and move on to, uh, I think it's time to just do our mailbag and to finish up the episode. So um, we love it when you guys listen to the show and when you interact with the show. Uh, if you want to talk back at us, you can leave comments on the website. You can um, hashtag us on Twitter with hashtag M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D, that's M-C-U-X-P-O-D, um, also, uh, we'll give you our Twitter handles at the end, and you can uh, include us in those as well. Um, you can leave comments on SoundCloud. That's a possibility, um, too. Um, and so those are all just ways that you can get in touch with us and talk to us about the MCU and what you thought. Uh, first of all, a couple things from the website. Um, uh, Alvin, who's sent some comments in before, was talking a little bit about Iron Fist. And he said that when they first showed up at uh, what we've been teasingly called Hand University, uh, the, the center where Colleen was with uh, Bakudo, uh, he said at first he thought that might be a training center for the chaste. And I thought that was actually kind of an interesting idea that I almost would have liked better. You know, like that would have been a, an interesting thing if Jessica had been working with Stick and his people, huh? I, I like the idea of the, the, the different types of hand but yes that would have been very interesting if take it if stick had shown up i would have been so excited that would have been so just like from out of left field rocking everything but it didn't happen yeah i feel like they're gonna have to um kind of fisher cut bait with stick like he's done like the mysterious cryptic i'm not gonna tell you about anything thing for a while now and I feel like we just need him to like kind of come clean and kind of do something by the time the Defenders comes. Maybe he won't survive the Defenders. Maybe his death will bring them all together. I don't know yes, why. Yes, this guy that three of them haven't met, and I am sure <laughs> yeah. Jessica will hate. <laughs> Jessica will hate him, yeah. No, I kind of just said Stick that. Stick will die in the Defenders at Jessica's hand. I'm calling it now. <laughs> I... I questioned whether or not I should kill the purple man, but you, my friend, I'm going to kill you with no problem. <laughs> you deserve it. So I, I do, uh, I mean, this is totally a tangent, but when it comes to defenders, 
I am really hoping that someone, you know, we've talked about this before, I think with Claire, the whole, like, someone has to die to unite the four of them together. I don't want them to do that. You know, like, at this point, that's a played-out trope for me. We don't need to Agent Coulson this situation. I want them to just begrudgingly come together because they have to, and then, you know, split company when they're done. But Definitely. I could talk about Defenders theories for an hour. Go on. Uh, we also got a new comment. Uh, comment from a new listener for uh, our comments, I think, uh, named Ultimate Typeface. And he was just saying that he is, uh, he's done with the hand. He feels like we've seen enough of it between Daredevil and Iron Fist. He's already dreading more of it in The Defenders. Like, enough. Just let us be. So uh, I thought that was interesting. I'm not sure if I'm with you there, but... Uh, uh, I could see by the time the Defenders is over, there should be maybe some new villains coming around. Uh, and then Love Awful, as always, great comments. Uh, just talked about the Spider trailer, Spider-Man trailer. Did feel like they gave away a little too much. It was interesting though. His re, uh, the way he was configuring the scenes was a little different. I was talking last week that I thought it was all chronological, where it was Staten Island ferry, Coney Island fight, Washington D.C. climax. And he had put Washington, D.C. in kind of the middle and thought the Coney Island fight was going to be the big, um, you know, climax battle. And I just thought that was interesting because it shows maybe these trailers aren't as obvious as we think they are. If me and him saw the same trailer and think the plot's going to be a little bit different, you know, about what order those things come in. So I thought that was good. iTunes. um, We really love it when you guys leave us iTunes reviews, particularly good iTunes reviews. Uh, we've got a pretty good rating on there right now, and uh, some of you have been really kind to leave some stuff. If you like the show, we'd love for you to go on there and uh, review us and give us a rating and let us know how you feel. Uh, here's just a couple of people that have done this just about the last month, and we wanted to read out their reviews and thank them for it. Um, Seattle Beats uh, left a review saying, Thanks for all the great news and speculation. I've been a serious Marvelite since the mid-'80s. But lately, my interests have been relegated to the television and cinematic properties. Keep up the good work. And then uh, W. Brandon, 1987, left us one, said, The show is an excellent way to keep up with the goings-on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All of the hosts bring a nice perspective to the future of these films and shows. And if you are a fan, it is a delight to follow along with. I can't wait for each new episode. So, thank you, W. Brandon, and thank you, Seattle Beats. We really appreciate it. that's awesome. You you guys are awesome, and uh, it's really encouraging for us. We like to hear good things from people who are enjoying the show, and so please do interact with us and let us know, and let us know some things we can do, things we can talk about, if there's things that you think would make the show better. So we're uh, always excited about that. Uh, finally, I was just going to tell you guys, this was our um, best listen to week since we have been on the podcast, Adam and Rhiannon. So. This week, we uh, had a new high for weekly listeners and uh, across all the podcasts that are released. And so that's really cool and that's exciting. And I just want to let you know that. And I just want to thank our listeners for letting that happen. So it's uh, encouraging when we see that things are going up and up. So thanks a lot, guys, for uh, listening and being involved in what we do. Uh, All right. I think that's about it. Um, We'll go ahead and sign off. So I am Caleb Borchers. And you can find me on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. That's C-A-L-E-B-A-B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. And that's a place you can interact with me on all the new stuff. Adam Rhiannon, go ahead and share your info as well. I'm Rhiannon Kincaid. You can find me on Twitter as Shot of Patron. If you do want to hear of me talking about that 16-second Defenders teaser, I have another podcast called Super Lateys with a T instead of a D and you can find us at superlatees.com and listen to me ramble more and more and more about the defenders. I have to ask how long was the 16 second trailer review podcast? It was a full hour. So we got a full hour on 16 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. We got a full hour and then, um, we immediately went into like a Legion podcast recording because we just wanted to talk about that. And somewhere in the middle of it, we were like, wait, wait, here's more Defenders ideas. 
So an hour and then change and we probably come up. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, I can just keep talking about it forever and come up with more ideas. You guys are gonna have to but do like days hour. worth of podcasts when the show actually comes out. Yes. Adam, where can yeah. folks find you on Twitter? At Adam Barnhart on the Twitter, and I'm sure you'll uh, pretty much like anything I tweet because I don't know. It's mostly just retweets, so I don't tweet much, but follow me anyways. Adam is so good that after much discernment, I decided to follow him as well. So, uh, Yeah, Caleb's my, my newest follower. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm really bad at Twitter. All right. Um, I think that does it. I honestly can't tell you what we're going to talk about next week. We'll talk about news and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know what the main discussion will be, but we will uh, figure that out. If you guys have suggestions, feel free to send those in. Also, uh, how do you feel about Spider-Man and that stuff and Venom and all that, those movies that are talking about producing? If you, like me, are a grumpy old man, feel free to share that. And uh, you know, if you think it's a good idea, share that too. So we'll read uh, comments and stuff next week. All right. Uh, I think that does it. And we will see you all uh, seven days from now. So take care. Have a good weekend. And bye.